0: Hi, I'm Gage.
1: And I'm Ray, and you are listening to God Report, a true crime podcast. If you're new here, welcome.
0: Welcome.
1: We're definitely glad to have you, and we also hope that you're having a good day and a good week and And a a good good life. life. We're always wishing you nothing but happiness, positivity, success, and good vibes.
0: Wherever you go.
1: Wherever you go, all the time.
0: (laughs) I sound... So ridiculous!
1: Oh, so ridiculous! <laughs> as you guys know, Gage was sick last week, so we didn't get a chance to upload.
0: No, we did not. It's been, it's been pretty rough. Uh, as Ray just said, we updated our Facebook and our Instagram pages to let you guys know. But uh, I did, in fact, get sick, and I've lost my voice. Like I've gotten over the sick part. But my voice has not fully came back yet, so I'm trying not to talk a whole lot. I'm trying just to take it easy. I got me a little glass of water right here that I'm gonna sip on. Yeah, it's it's been whatever. I just I didn't want to go another week of not recording. I literally miss you guys. I miss doing this. We could not do it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna power through. I'm just definitely gonna let you do like. 90% of the talking today. And that's
1: completely fine because this story is so horrendous. You're not going to have a need to talk.
0: Oh, God, I'm not ready. But on that note, too, I forgot to say my apologies. I wanted to say thank you to all of you for all of the get well wishes and all of the positive comments. Yeah, it was very sweet. And I actually spent a good bit of time over the last few days reading through some stuff and you guys are awesome. I appreciate you being patient with me and being patient with us. It truly is appreciated. Hopefully, by next week, my voice will be back to normal. But I just wanted to say a big thank you. We definitely appreciate it.
1: So today's case is by our good friend, Deonera.
0: Oh, hello, Dayanera.
1: And we are covering the case of Junko Feruta.
0: Oh, God.
1: One of Japan's most notorious cases because of its brutality. I do want to throw out some trigger warnings here. In today's story, there will be mentions of rape and some other really heinous shit. Junko Furuta was kidnapped and tortured.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: There are a lot of things in this case that some people may find disturbing. So, yeah... It, this, is, this is definitely not nice. Not it's nice? It's
0: not nice. Oh, fuck.
1: So I would say kick back, relax, and grab some snacks, but you might need more than that. You <laughs> might need a comfort animal or support of pillow or something. <laughs>
0: your squish mellows, your, your stuffed animals, mellows. whatever you need.
1: Right. That's That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, so let's get right into it. Junko Furuta was born in Masato, Japan, in the Saitama Prefecture on January 18, 1971. There, she lived with her parents and two brothers. Junko was a 17-year-old popular high school student that attended Yoshio Minami High. This was her third year, so graduation was coming soon. She was known to be beautiful, smart, having a wonderful personality, And getting good grades in school. Like, she didn't drink, she didn't smoke, she didn't do anything drug-related. So, essentially, she had this good-girl reputation. Right. But not in the bad kind of way.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: She was just this sweet soul who was driven to succeed. Junko was a dedicated student who was well-liked by her classmates, but she was also a dedicated worker. She had worked part-time at a plastic molding factory during after-school hours since October of 1988. She busted her ass to save up the money for a graduation trip she planned, and despite her busy schooling and work schedules, she also accepted a job at an electronics retailer that she planned on working after her graduation. graduation. So she was driven to work two jobs to fund whatever she wanted or needed. Junko had dreams of becoming an idol pop singer. Wow. So you know she was just really working hard toward her dream.
0: It definitely sounds like she has a good head on her shoulders.
1: When the school bully Hiroshi Miyano noticed Junko at school he asked her out. He had this huge crush on her and she then respectfully but firmly declined, and this made him furious.
0: Oh, God. Oh, God. I already know where this is going. (laughs) No.
1: But see, Hiroshi, he was not used to being told no. He was not only the school bully, but he was also known for being affiliated with the Yakuza because he would brag about it
0: what
1: so the yakuza if you don't know they're essentially the mafia of japan it's a huge crime organization known for their ruthlessness but he would brag about his yakuza connections all the time being an annoying little shit that like everyone was scared of him
0: that is absolutely insane
1: no one had ever dared to turn him down he got everything he wanted usually so, Hiroshi was set on revenge for this alleged humiliation and disrespect. He is honestly an entitled little shit to think every girl is going to say yes to your particular brand of bullshit.
0: <laughs> I mean, no kidding. But, I mean, she she has every right to say no. We have a right to say no. Women have a right to say no. We as people have a right to say no. What the fuck? Right. Uh, I just, I don't like this. My stomach's already just. Not with it. So he just got
1: super butt hurt because his crush Junko was like, "Mm, no thanks.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: But like in a polite way, she didn't do it that way. Right, right. Yeah, (laughs) I
0: gathered that, but still.
1: On November 25th, 1988, just a few days after the rejection, Hiroshi Miyano and Shinji Minato were hanging around a local park in Masato preying on unsuspecting women with the intentions to rape and rob sources say these two along with two others that i'll be talking about soon were all experienced gang rapists and that they were experts at spotting potential targets
0: jesus christ and how old how old are they
1: Shinji and Hiroshi are both 18, and then the two others, I believe, were 17 and 16.
0: So, children. Yes. Jesus Christ, like you're 16, 17, bragging about your professionalism in gang raping my fucking god like i'm speechless
1: not long before this incident with junko these four boys abducted and raped another woman then released her hours later she never reported what happened to her because she was too scared of hiroshi and his yakuza connections so this is not the first time that they've done this
0: jesus jesus jesus
1: It was around 8.30 p.m. when Hiroshi and Shinji noticed Junko on her bicycle. She was on her way home from work, minding her business and looking forward to the end of the long day. By Hiroshi's orders, Shinji created a diversion by jumping out from behind some hedges and kicking Junko off her bike.
0: What the fuck?
1: He then takes off running as Hiroshi runs in, pretending to be a witness to the attack. He was watching from across the street, just waiting for his time to shine. So he ran over and helped her up, and then he asked her if she wanted an escort home.
0: Oh my god. Now keep
1: in mind, Hiroshi is the one that has the crush on
0: her. Right, right.
1: Now, Junko was obviously shaken up by the situation she just found herself in. Obviously, who wouldn't be? Right. So she quickly accepted the escort. He saved her and gained her trust a little bit in that moment, and she had no clue that this was a setup. If anything, she's probably thinking he saved her because he really liked her. I mean, she obviously knows who he is, but being shaken from an unprovoked attack, she probably wasn't thinking about how coincidental it was for him to be there.
0: Right, right. Like, my God, my stomach is just nuts.
1: So they're walking together and talking, and Junko seems to have calmed down. She's let her guard down some, and her focus was shifted to the conversation instead of the destination. So Hiroshi leads Junko to an abandoned warehouse. Once they got there, realization sets in for her because his whole demeanor changed. He began to yell at her and push her, telling her basically that she fucked up, turning him down because of his Yakuza connections.
0: Oh my god. What a little shit stain.
1: He told her that if she didn't do exactly what he said, that he would kill her or get the Yakuza involved to kill her. And then he proceeded to rape Junko. Oh my god. Forcing her to comply, Hiroshi then takes Junko to a nearby hotel and rapes her two more times during their stay.
0: Jesus.
1: He also wouldn't let her leave for the rest of the night. The reason for all this was becoming clear to Junko. This was happening to her because she turned down his relationship proposal. In the early morning hours, Hiroshi still had Junko in captivity, and he's trying to figure out what his next move is going to be. So he calls Shinji Minato, Joe Ogura, and Yuzushi Watanabe. So Hiroshi fills them in on the situation, and sick enough, they too were excited to have Junko around. So they could do whatever they wanted to do to her.
0: Oh my god.
1: That same evening at 3 Uh, a.m. You okay?
0: It's just so bad, my god.
1: From the start.
0: From the start. Jesus, this poor girl. This poor fucking girl.
1: So that same evening at 3 a.m., Hiroshi brings Junko to a local park where Shinji, Joe, and Yazushi are waiting. And Junko recognizes Shinji as the boy that kicked her off her bike. And this was their plan all along. It was all a setup. These four boys had worked together to put Junko in a vulnerable position so they could take advantage of her. And it's just sickening. Hiroshi hands the others Junko's belongings to rifle through to check for valuables, and instead of finding monetary items, they found a notebook that contained her home address. So now they begin to threaten her further that if she didn't do exactly what they said, or she tried to escape, they would send the Yakuza to kill her whole family.
0: Um, I have no words. I mean, literally, not just because I can halfway talk, but also just because holy shit.
1: In addition, one of my sources say the boys then took turns raping her again in the park before smuggling her into the Minato family home at Shinji's parents' house. It's insane. So in this house, you have both of his parents and his older brother. Okay. And now Shinji's bedroom would end up becoming like a base for them. And you'll see what I mean going forward. So another source, there has been a little bit of confusion as to whose house she actually ended up in because some sources were saying that it's Hiroshi's house and that Hiroshi was physically abusive towards his mom and that's the reason why he got away with all of this. Right. But the other sources are saying it's the Minato family home and that the parents were scared of the son and that's why nothing was done. I'll get into it a little bit more as we go along.
0: Right, right. But I
1: just wanted to make sure that that was clear because if you are familiar with this case some places say it's hiroshi's house in hiroshi's bedroom right so they also told junko to act like shinji's girlfriend in case his parents ever asked but shockingly enough they never did they never asked any questions nature versus nurture Nope. just neglect in this household oh.
0: Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I kind of was thinking the same thing, like, low-key, I really was. Right?
1: So, the parents came out and said later that they never questioned what was going on or said anything because they didn't know the extent to which it had gotten, which is absolutely fucking absurd to me. They knew. They knew. And they did nothing because they were scared of Shinji. They were scared of their own son because they knew he was tied up with the Yakuza. Not to mention there has to be some feelings there. I mean, imagine how you would feel calling the cops on your own kid.
0: I mean, that's definitely it's it's something to think about. Yeah, it's a perspective to have.
1: So that could be another reason as well. But another reason why they did nothing was because they didn't want to lose their good reputation. Pretty fucking disgusting.
0: Yeah, just uh, just a little bit. Just a little bit.
1: Junko's parents were in contact with the police after Junko's sudden disappearance three days ago. One day she left for work and just didn't come back. So a huge manhunt began in hopes of finding Junko. At this point, the boys are getting word of this organized search and they begin to get nervous. They didn't want her disappearance to be linked back to them. So get this shit. They forced Junko to call her parents. Junko was forced to tell her parents that she ran away, was with a friend, she was safe, and right now she didn't want to be found.
0: What in the fuck?
1: She then was forced to beg her parents to call off the search. So the search was eventually called off. And her parents believed that her daughter was happy to be out on her own and with her friends. As long as she's safe, right?
0: Oh, my God. That is horrible.
1: So, they had no clue what hell Junko was about to find herself in.
0: Oh, my God.
1: She was essentially forced to seal her own fate. And for the next 42 days, Junko would endure the most horrific, brutal, and vile treatment I have ever heard of. Now trapped with no escape, realization starts to set in. No one was coming to save her. Sometimes, Shinji's parents would see Junko there, but terrifying of all, even after they realized the truth of what was happening, they pretended to be ignorant of what was going on.
0: Disgusting.
1: So everyone kept their mouths shut out of fear. And once the boys realized no one was going to say anything or call the police, they no longer needed to put on a facade. So things got... Much worse for Junko. Shinji, Hiroshi, Yuzushi, and Joe took turns beating her and raping her repeatedly, sometimes several times a day.
0: Oh my god.
1: They were proud of what they were doing, and it's believed that throughout the course of her captivity that she was raped roughly 400 times.
0: 400?
1: Yes. <sighs> At one point, the boys invited at least 100 people over to the house to have their way with a 17-year-old girl. Some sources say they were inviting other Yakuza members over, and other sources say it was friends they knew. Either way, more than 100 men are believed to have raped her by the end. Sometimes she was raped by up to 12 attackers in a single day.
0: I have genuine tears in my eyes right now. Like, I'm genuinely...
1: Within the first couple of days, Junko was raped by 30 people. The hundreds of people they invited all knew of Junko's capture, as the boys were bragging about having this teenage girl hostage and doing whatever they wanted with her. Other teenage women were even invited with the promise of seeing the whole spectacle, and one of them actually went. She doodled on Junko's face with a pen.
0: What in the fuck kind of shit is this?
1: By the seventh day, she was completely stripped of her humanity. Junko was no longer allowed to wear clothes. She was stripped bare and forced to stay naked to humiliate her. She was nothing but a toy to them, a slave. They would stuff her into a freezer for hours when they were bored with her, only pulling her out of the freezer again when they wanted to assault her again. At one point, Junko was hung from the ceiling and used as a punching bag.
0: Oh my, oh my god.
1: When they took her down from the ceiling, they began dropping dumbbells on her stomach, greatly damaging her internal organs and forcing her to defecate. Shinji's brother did absolutely nothing to help or hinder the situation. The only contribution he made was telling Shinji that Junko would die at this rate. Gee, thanks. She was further raped, sodomized, beaten, and humiliated. They would force her to masturbate in front of them and insert different objects into her
0: genitals. Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ.
1: They would urinate on her and insert foreign objects inside her vagina, including scissors, bottles, both broken and unbroken, an iron bar, a hot exploding light bulb, She had a light bulb, a hot light bulb, inserted into her, and they moved it around until it shattered. Oh, (sighs) They also inserted grilled chicken skewers with bits of chicken still on the skewer, and roasting needles. And sometimes they would insert objects simultaneously as well. After 10 days, the amount of stress and damage caused to Junko's body was quickly tiring her body out. Her body is starting to fail her. So much blood had accumulated in her sinuses that she could no longer breathe through her nose. Her digestive system was also trying to shut down. Junko was starved most of the time. She was forced to eat cockroaches. And when she asked for water or was given anything to drink, it was often her own urine. Some sources say she was also forced to eat her own feces. I
0: literally am... I, I have nothing
1: it's bad i
0: have nothing like i i am so fucking not okay so fucking not okay this is absolutely fucking awful awful is not the word for this
1: there is no word for this but evil she at this point was no longer able to eat or drink anything Because she would vomit it out almost immediately and then the boys would punish her for throwing up on the rug. As the temperatures got colder, Junko was forced to sleep outside on the balcony naked in the middle of December. No blanket, no pillow, no warmth. And winters in Japan are cold as fuck. We're talking minus degrees.
0: Right, right.
1: They also invited two of their friends to come over and join in on the torture and rape of Junko Furuta. Their names were Tetsuo and Koichi. One of my sources say that they were brothers, and they did end up doing things to her, sadly. Tetsuo was the more willing of the two to join the other four boys in this violation, but Koichi had to be kind of talked into it. Either way, he still took part in it. Koichi went home, bothered by what took place at Shinji's house, so he confided in his brother, who then told their parents, who contacted the police. So Shinji's parents answered the knock at the door and acted all surprised that the police are there, then proceeded to tell them that there's no girl at the house. These bold motherfuckers also invited the police in to check for themselves. But the police figured since they were so willing to prove they weren't holding Junko there, they must be telling the truth. Mm. Nothing was done.
0: My fucking god. The
1: police politely declined and left. They never even checked. Baby girl was brave one day and tried to escape. One day, the boys did some heavy drinking and she took the chance while they were distracted to slip away. She got downstairs to the phone and Junko called the police. An officer picked up the phone, but Hiroshi caught her and snatched the phone before she could say anything.
0: This is absolutely crushing me.
1: He put the phone to his ear and explained that he dialed by mistake, and the four boys would go on to punish her for the attempt. They poured lighter fluid on Junko's legs and feet and then set them on fire. (sighs) Big deep breath with me, everybody. (sighs) There we go. Are we feeling better?
0: (laughs) This is is truly fucking insane. One of the most depraved fucking things I have ever learned about in my life. In my fucking life.
1: We're still on tip of the iceberg, babe. Yes, it gets worse. Oh my. It gets
0: worse. (sighs) I feel like I'm... It's so anticlimactic because I have nothing to say. I literally have not one word to say.
1: By December 10th, 1988, 20 days of torture, Junko was no longer able to walk properly because of the severe burns on her legs. During the beatings, her legs were targeted, and this resulted in severe muscle damage. She was beaten relentlessly with bamboo sticks and then golf clubs. Several days later, the boys poured hot wax on her face, concentrating the wax on her eyelids. She was stabbed with sewing needles in her breasts, the needles often left inside, and they burnt her eyelids with a cigarette lighter any time she closed her eyes in fear. Forced to watch what was happening to her, they also burnt her with cigarettes and sodomized her with a large glass bottle. This caused a lot of bleeding. Which sent Junko into a fit of convulsions. And the boys thought she was faking these convulsions to get them to stop.
0: What in the fuck? So
1: to teach her a lesson, they set her on fire again. (sighs) By the 30th day of torture, Junko's internal organs would be subjected to so much trauma that she eventually became incontinent. She had no control over her bodily functions anymore. And by this time, they had mutilated her genitalia. Junko began to plead with the boys several times a day to end her suffering and kill her. She knew she wasn't getting out of this alive. No one was looking for her, and her body was failing her. There was no escape. But the boys were having too much fun violating and mutilating Junko. They weren't finished with her yet. The boys would continue their assault by smashing her face against the cement floor. They would hold her head down against the concrete and then would take turns jumping on her head. They beat her with golf clubs and iron rods. They pierced both of her nipples and then went on to use a pair of pliers to twist off her left nipple. They made her stand while they whipped her feet with bamboo sticks until she couldn't take any more and fell to the floor, convulsing once again. The boys began to drop workout dumbbells on her while she was convulsing. It's fucking sick. All those things I mentioned they inserted into her, they would also set off firecrackers into her anal cavity, mouth, and ears.
0: What the... Oh my God. She was Oh left, my fucking God.
1: She was left with eardrum damage so severe that she was nearly deaf. And I just had a thought, by the way. His fucking parents claim they didn't know the extent, but I'm pretty sure they could hear Junko's screams and sobs. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Even if she was complying to what the boy said... Setting a firecracker off in your ass is going to produce a scream. No ifs, ands, or buts. You will scream. <laughs> no doubt. You will scream.
0: Right. I'm laughing out of pure fucking panic. Genuinely. But I mean.
1: How could you not know that, That oh, we didn't know the extent of it.
0: Yeah, I have a hard time believing that too, honestly. But, you know, this is you're
1: insane. hearing thuds of of impacts being made on a person as they're beaten you're hearing the raping you're hearing the screams and the torture are they not
0: smelling the fire from setting her on fire like the smell of burning fucking flesh it was just jesus christ i agree with you on that wholeheartedly i don't believe that shit for one second
1: junko could no longer grip anything Her hands were smashed with exercise weights and her fingernails were shattered. The best she could do was crawl, but she was in so much pain that she could barely move. It took her an hour to crawl to the bathroom.
0: Oh my god.
1: Toward the end of her captivity, due to all of her injuries, Junko was barely recognizable. Her face was so badly swollen you couldn't make out any of her facial features. Her skin was covered in bruises, her eyes almost swollen shut. Because her body was so severely damaged and due to her incontinence, she began to smell very badly. Her genitalia would at this point continuously bleed heavily, which also contributed to the smell. They said she smelt as if she was already rotting.
0: Oh my god.
1: She would wheeze heavily, struggling to breathe. And when the boys got too disgusted to continue sexually assaulting her, the severity of the beatings increased. The only reason why they kept her in captivity was to sexually assault Junko. So now that the boys aren't attracted to Junko anymore, they decided they were going to go out and find a different girl that they were going to rape. And a, do the same
0: thing, to. Well,
1: no, they just wanted to find someone that they were sexually attracted to.
0: What disgusting.
1: Because they already had someone to beat up.
0: What disgusting little shit stains. Disgusting. Fucking Disgusting.
1: So they ended up finding an unidentified 19-year-old girl that was on her way home when they stopped her and gang raped her. Unlike Junko, they let this girl go and they returned to Shinji's house. On day 44, January 4th, 1989, the boys challenged Junko to a game of Mahjong and they got extremely butt hurt when Junko won the game. She got a big final fuck you in there you know right so even though she was dying she still kicked their asses and they got pissed they were furious and they decided to take out all their anger and frustration on junko for the next two hours they began kicking and punching her then moved on to hitting her already mutilated body repeatedly with an iron barbell until she began spitting up blood Junko lay on the ground covered in fresh blood from the new wounds and pus and blood from the old wounds being reopened and the boys didn't want to get blood and pus all over them so what did they do they fucking wrapped their hands in plastic bags taped them at their wrist and then continued to beat on Junko
0: oh my oh,
1: fuck They poured lighter fluid on her arms, legs, stomach, and face. Then they put a candle to her face, igniting her on fire. She weakly attempted to put herself out, but she didn't have the strength to do that at all. But she eventually went into shock and became unresponsive. Junko's body finally gave up, and she died, ultimately succumbing to her injuries. The next day, on January 5th, One of my sources said Shinji's brother called to tell him that Junko was dead. The boys immediately rushed to the house. They started to freak out. They were scared they'd get caught for what they've done and charged with a death sentence.
0: Oh, now you're afraid of it. Now you regret doing it. Fuck off. Right. Like, fuck all the way off.
1: To cover up their crime, the boys dumped her body into a 55-gallon oil drum and filled it all the way up with concrete. A tuft of hair was still sticking out of the top of the concrete when she was discovered.
0: Oh, my God.
1: There's an image floating around the imminent. The imminent?
0: The imminent.
1: The imminent. There's an <laughs> image flying around the imminent. Imminent. I meant to say internet. Interwebs. <laughs> there's a photo flying around the internet that I found that shows her hair sticking out of the concrete. And it is the creepiest thing I have ever seen in my entire life.
0: Oh my god.
1: It makes you feel things. And it makes me angry. But her hair had gone unnoticed to the boys, thankfully. Because if there wasn't hair coming out of the concrete, bystanders would think it was just an oil drum with concrete in it. They dumped the oil drum at a construction site in Koto, Tokyo. Three weeks later, on January 23rd, 1989, the police arrested Hiroshi and Joe on a separate gang rape charge. The victim was the unidentified 19-year-old the group raped and let go when they lost sexual interest in Junko.
0: Oh, right.
1: So they were being arrested for that. And Hiroshi and Joe were being questioned in separate rooms. So at the time of all this, there was a double murder investigation going on in the same city. Mm -hmm. And police noticed some similarities between the double homicide to the gang rape of the 19-year-old. So they thought Hiroshi and Joe had something to do with the double murder. Mind you, this investigation had nothing to do with Junko's case. Had nothing to do with it. That's just... During Hiroshi's interrogation, the police insinuated they knew something about a murder. And Hiroshi, dumbass, thought they were referring to Junko. And then he began to think Joe confessed.
0: So he confessed.
1: So he told the police everything.
0: Oh my fucking God. Even where they could find Junko's body. What a little dipshit.
1: Hiroshi just accidentally turned himself in, and no one knew Junko was dead. Everyone believed that she ran away with a friend. And within days, all four of the boys were in custody. The drum was then located and cut open, revealing Junko's body and her nightmarish condition. Junko's family was notified and told in detail what happened to their daughter, and her mother, upon hearing all this, fainted. She even ended up needing a long-term stay at a psychiatric facility.
0: I could not imagine. Like this broke her. I could not imagine.
1: When the autopsy was performed, small bottles were still found shoved up her rectal cavity. It was also revealed that she was pregnant despite the severe damage done to her uterus. Oh my god, I almost started crying. I
0: cannot.
1: Her face was so mutilated, she had to be identified by her fingerprints. Because the boys were juveniles, their names were withheld from the public, their pictures blurred or censored, but journalists from a magazine found out who they were and published their names, stating that these boys were inhuman and didn't deserve human rights.
0: I agree with that. Totally. I totally agree with that.
1: During the trials, there were two key things that stood out to me. And first, there were people passing out when they heard the details. Oh, like
0: I almost did? Yeah,
1: like people sitting in the courtroom listening to what's going on and passing out in the courtroom. Second, none of the boys showed any remorse whatsoever. The boys were tried as juveniles, but because of a lot of backlash, it was eventually changed so now their face was sentencing as an adult would, but their sentences would not even come close to reflecting the severity of the crime. In Japan, when dealing with juveniles, they are focused on rehabilitation more so than punishment, but it's believed that their connection with the Yakuza is why their sentences were shockingly light, like shockingly light, had the case been heard elsewhere or had the boys been just a couple of years older, they would have likely been dealt capital punishments. The boys weren't charged with murder. They all took plea bargains. So instead of pleading not guilty to murder, they pled guilty to, quote, causing bodily injury resulting in death, end quote.
0: Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. That's I it. Mean,
1: I mean, no, I'm not kidding you.
0: Uh, That's it, though. That's all they got.
1: Yeah, well, in July of 1990, Hiroshi Miyano was sentenced to 17 years in prison. He actually appealed this sentence, saying it was too much time for what he'd done. So his case was reviewed, and judges felt his sentence wasn't enough. So they gave him an extra three years. His parents were ordered to pay Junko's parents some kind of compensation for their son's actions, So, they ended up selling their family home to pay the Furutas. He would go on to change his name to Hiroshi Yokoyama. In January of 2013, Hiroshi was arrested once more for fraud, and later that month, he was released due to insufficient evidence. Shinji Minato was originally sentenced to four to six years. He also appealed and ended up receiving a term of five to nine years. His name was changed to Nobuharu Minato. In 2019, Shinji was once again arrested for attempted murder after he beat a 32-year-old man with a metal rod and slashed his throat with a knife.
0: My. Uh God. This Joe, is so angering. I know. So angering.
1: I know. I know. Joe Ogura. Now, Joe Kamisaku spent eight years in a juvenile prison, and he would brag about how he raped and killed Junko Furuta. Like, this little fucker was proud of himself.
0: That's so disgusting.
1: He was released in 1999. He went on to work a job and have a normal life and get married. Oh, I'm glad you fucking could, because Junko couldn't.
0: Right, right.
1: In July of 2004, Joe was arrested for attacking... Takatoshi Isono, who was a friend he suspected of being involved in an affair with his wife. So he tracks this man down, beats him up, puts him in a van, and drives off to a bar his mother owned. And there, Joe would continue for another four hours to brutally beat Takatoshi the whole time yelling at him that he'll kill him, he's killed before, he knows how to get away with it, like crazy shit. He served seven years for that incident. And Joe's mother vandalized Junko for grave, stating she did it because Junko ruined her son's life.
0: She ruined his life? Right. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. My blood pressure just shot so fucking high. (laughs) My blood pressure. I literally almost just passed out.
1: Yeah, I know. It's really, really bad.
0: This is fucking angering as fuck.
1: Yazushi Watanabe originally received three to four years in prison. He appealed, and it was increased to five to seven years. He is believed to be the only one who changed his ways. So, guys, this concludes the case of Junko Furuta.
0: I absolutely fucking hate it.
1: I'm... i I know. Like, I... I cried several times writing all this out.
0: No, I had real tears in my eyes through, like, majority of this. I honestly don't know what to say. And then to find out that these little shit stains were not punished hardly at all.
1: No, it's actually believed that they are out and about to this day, except for Shinji Minato. This happened back in 2019 when he attacked that 32-year-old.
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: So, I'm pretty sure he still has sentencing and all that other stuff to go through. I haven't heard of any updates as far as he goes, but it is believed that all of them are out and about to this day.
0: That is absolutely so, so incredibly frustrating.
1: Frustrating and, and shocking and and just a, just a ball of what the fuck. Like, the days that I spent researching this and just it's it's so much so yeah you guys that's pretty much gonna wrap up today if you want to follow us in all of our weird well you can definitely do that you can find us on facebook at
0: gore report a true crime podcast on instagram at gore report podcast
1: and twitter
0: at gore report
1: And don't forget our email, guys, goreportpod at gmail.com.
0: Send us an email. Unfortunately, I don't really have a rant for the end of this because my voice hurts and my soul hurts. So I'm just going to leave it at that. This was awful, and I never want to think about it ever again.
1: All right, we love you guys.
0: Bye. Bye.